Hey y'all, this is Ovi, and you're tuned in to Yeah, But Are You Listening? A space created for us to laugh and cry, share blueprints, and grow through transparency. We'll talk about the things that make us nervous and the things that get us hyped, but most of all, we'll be authentic. Let's get to it. Hey y'all, happy Wednesday. Today is our fourth episode in our mental health series, Let's Talk Mental Health. And we welcome to the mic a really good friend of really good friends of mine. So Brian and Ray introduced me to Becca Wheeler, who's today's guest, who is currently a school counselor for elementary school, but has worked in public health focusing on substance use prevention and suicide intervention. Um, She also has a master's in counseling um, and really just has a passion for helping people um, and loving on people and helping them get through. And so if you have been following along the series, you know how important substance abuse um, can be and how much of a contributing factor it can be along the way. Um, Also, you've heard me talk about the importance of suicide intervention and knowing the signs, knowing what to look for. Um, And then maybe some coping mechanisms if you've experienced it or know someone who's experienced that suicidal ideations or anything along those lines. And so Becca and I take a pretty deep dive into looking at some coping mechanisms, some things you can look for if you're just not sure. And then she also gave me a really helpful resource for my own um, for my own toolkit, right, that I'll be using um, as needed going forward. So I have I've included that resource for you guys um, anywhere that you, you know, you'll be able to listen. You can just click the link um, or you can just listen to the entire episode. I think we talked about that towards the end. Um, and so hopefully it will be as helpful of a resource for you as it is for me. So enjoy. I know that you told me um, what you like, what your background is, mm-hmm. but um, if you, I guess, would share it again or either what or whatever parts of your background that you um, feel the most connected to. You don't have to give me your whole resume. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I you can, say, but you don't have to. Yeah, I would say I definitely took a meandering path to get where I am. So I, <laughs> I'd like to say that I am not a type I'm not a plan A girl. Okay. For me, plan A has never worked out. So once I I realized that um, that wasn't going to happen, I didn't get in my first choice school. I didn't get in my first choice grad school. I didn't get, I mean, I can't even tell you how many jobs I applied to before I got. So (laughs) once I think I just realized, you know, you just got to take opportunities when they come. I think that makes you a more interesting person too. But um, I think that was, Honestly, like one of the <laughs> once I real once I realized that about myself, um, things were a lot better. So um, <laughs> yes. actually, yes. Actually, once you realize it's not a straight line, you're like, oh, oh, okay, all right, whatever. And I think because I've I mean I've worked in some facet of field of education for twenty years now. Mm-hmm. That um, I I am not the you know, now I'm a school counselor, but I'm not the person who's going to tell a 10 year old, 15 year old, 17 year old, you have to know exactly what career you're gonna go into the day you graduate. Because I've seen that derail a lot of people. I've seen it derail adults Mm -hmm. that, you know, you have, it takes time to learn about yourself. And, um, you know, those, no, don't put so much pressure on yourself to to know exactly what you're gonna do Mm -hmm. the day you graduate high school. So um, we're currently, I'm an elementary school counselor, so I have grades okay. three through five, mm-hmm. um, which I love that age. They're really fun, and they get excited about everything, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, they do. Everything's <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Prior, prior to that, I was in high school, which I also love high school. So I love working with high school seniors, so I kind of like the big ones and the little ones. So mm-hmm. It's that um, in-between stage that's real shaky, yeah. yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm happy staying at fifth grade, so mm-hmm. <laughs> some of them said, are you going to move up with us, Mr. Taylor? I said, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm staying where I am. Um, but then I, I worked in public health in between my high school and my elementary school stint. Um, and public health, I worked mainly as substance use prevention and suicide intervention. So um, when I, I graduated with my counseling degree in 
2009, mm-hmm. which was the height of the recession. Yeah. Not a good time to graduate with <laughs> <laughs> your master's degree. I was also pregnant. Also, <laughs> the combination of all Pile those the three things. things. On. Pile the things on. Yeah. So, so I, uh, and it was really hard to find a full-time job in mental health. It, yeah. unfortunately, um, those jobs were being cut. So yeah. I ended up working part-time um, in a public health position, which moved to full-time over time, but I, you know, had to do what I had to do. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think the recession then has affected um, more people. It's still affecting more people in, in my age group than I think you realize, because, you know, people who at that point of graduating and um, whether that was from your undergrad or master's degree or that was in my early 30s, so I was, you know, trying to move up in a job, and you just got stuck. So I think, you know, those those kinds of transition periods in your life, going back to what I said, I mean, I'm not a plan A kind of girl. I think that helped me to have yeah. that mindset, because then I was just open to, okay, I got to be resourceful right. and, you know, take on three jobs at once, and you just do what you got to do. But I think it definitely made me a more resourceful person, yeah. more empathetic, definitely, um, and so, you know, those, those kinds of things shape, shape your life. So, um, in ways you don't even realize. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so then now you're looking hindsight you're like, well, you know, like it's one of those things you don't, you don't really regret going through that time because you needed it to be where you are. But also I could have done without some of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't regret it now that I'm not there anymore, but I could yeah, have no. done without that lesson. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, talk about coping skills and all those things I just realized I mean over that period of time that stress management really yeah became a passion for me I think Mm -hmm. because I you know I saw myself going through stuff my friends who were in similar situations and so that in particular really became a passion of mine and um during that time too I decided well always wanted to become a yoga instructor so might as well do it why not (laughs) because I need another job that's right (laughs) Add the downward dog. Throw that in there. We'll yeah. Be so, but it all all works. Um, counseling and yoga all work so well together that I, I use both in both my jobs all the time. So, um, well, actually, I would like to tap into the probably the least exciting, but maybe the most needed, which would be the like substance abuse and the suicide. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff Because I don't know. So I've told you before, I have a little bit of a background in psychology. Um, I laugh all the time because I work in technology. I work in IT. And I'm not a computer girl, though. Um, and I remember when I got hired, our director was like, so you're the first person that I'm hiring in this department that does not have an IT degree. And I'm like, no, I actually prefer people. Here I am. Like, yep. <laughs> I prefer people. But I'm smart and like, you know, I can figure it out, but I really prefer people. Um, But I know that the, you know, suicide rate is really high, especially in that teenage, um, in that teenage, young adult age range. Um, And one of my concerns, one of the things that I'm hoping to be able to um, help people with kind of through this platform is things to look for. you know, and I and with the understanding that everybody's different, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily look the same, you know, across the board, mm-hmm. but also things that people might be able to do either if A, they are feeling suicidal or if they sure. have concerns about, you know, their children or their, you know, their loved ones. Because um, it's just such a trying time. Like this pandemic has shifted everything. And so if you were social a year ago, well now you're not like or now you have Mm -hmm. to find other ways to be social that don't look like they did this time last year um my daughter is turning my youngest daughter is turning 16 this year and so she has been raving about a sweet 16 and i'm like i mean we're kind of still in a pandemic like how are we going to do that (laughs) exactly did you have in mind that wasn't going to give me covid you know so (laughs) right it's you know it's a it's a challenging time for um for, you know, for, I think everybody and people are still finding new norms and new ways of doing things and new coping, coping skills. But I also think some people aren't, you know, and that is really my concern is the ones that aren't. So some of us, you know, are able to cope or able to see it one way. Um, But it's a very dark, you know, it's a very dark time. Mm -hmm. Um, I read something on 
I think it was Instagram or Facebook the other day. And it was like, it was just a guy telling a story. And he's like, his, he went in his little brother's room and his room was a mess. And he commented to the, the kid that the room was a mess. And the kid's like, I'm depressed. And the older brother was like, you're just lazy. And like, shut the door. And then he's like, they pulled my brother out of the river three days ago. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, no, when people tell you, um, listen, you know, when people yeah. are, are reaching out for help, listen. So, you know, I definitely like to tap into that a little bit. Cause I don't, I don't have any, I mean, I have firsthand knowledge, but I don't have any like um, sure. professional knowledge where that's concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, uh, what's interesting when you look at the suicide rates, um, you know, you do have some pockets where the numbers are higher. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it is interesting to look at that. I mean, one area, middle-aged men, mm-hmm. um, senior adults, and then we look at youth. And um, it used to be in the past, senior adults were higher. And then after the recession and um, the Iraq war, it sort of, it flipped where you have middle-aged men um, higher than senior adults. And then you have this youth pocket. And I, uh, this is my own, a lot my own theory of mm-hmm. Rebecca Wheeler. But when you look at those three pockets of people, like, you know, you think they're not similar. But there are some things that are similar. And you, you think about the isolation that happens. Look at our senior adults, the isolation that, especially now, that they're feeling. Yeah. You look at teens, that can be a very isolating time, whether in a pandemic or not. Right. And then when you look at, you know, think about the middle-aged men coming out of the recession, unemployment, you know, that those, yeah. those peaks of isolation are... Are real, and even though you look at these groups and like those ages don't have what do they have in common, but you look at the those emotional peaks. You know, th- yeah. There are some definite strains in common with um, all all three of those areas. So um, I think one big thing, like you know, every you're always going to find one exception to the rule, which is you know, <laughs> so I can give you again, you know, we can talk about some definite warning signs and then there, there always will be one exception. So, but we're kind of <laughs> yeah. thinking, thinking of this more broadly. Um, but probably the big thing is under knowing um, changes in typical pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, if it's your brother, your sister, your child, you, you know, their pat- typical patterns of behavior. And when you see a marked difference, that's when there's a born, you know, those alarm bells go off and there may not be anything that's said. So um, just, sleeping is one instance you might have a child like my my daughter sleeps 11 hours a day she's 10 and that is good like she she's a cha- always been a champ sleeper okay um, and so like if you know when she would wake up after only sleeping seven or eight hours i knew something was wrong she had to be sick something was off it's and so when you've got somebody who maybe they're great sleeper and then all of a sudden not sleeping or you could have the opposite happen where you have somebody who, um, you know, is, you know, does just generally get less sleep a night and then they're sleeping all day. Yeah. Um, so you're looking at these marked pattern changes in patterns of behavior. So um, some other ones that come up are like a change in eating habits, whether mm-hmm. either direction, either overeating or not eating. Right. So you really have to think about that person's typical pattern and what's changed. I mean, you might have somebody, I mean, like right now, everybody's living in sweatpants. I live in jeans and a flannel shirt every day, <laughs> but yeah, so you, yeah, that's it. so, you know, you might have someone, you know, that's their, that's their norm. Right. So that's cool. <laughs> you might have someone else who maybe always looks very put together. Their hair is always for everything looks very right. put together. And then all of a sudden there's a drastic change and that is all for her. Right. That's off for him. So all of those, the I think the first warning signs are quiet. They're things that you don't know. Yeah. Um, when it comes to substance use with teens, I, and I can't say this enough, it is not typical for a teen to misuse substances. That's not typical teen behavior. If okay. you look at like a great study um, is monitoring the future. It is a study that's done every year. Um, and like 46,000 plus youth okay. track um, substance use trends over time. And they started in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And what they've actually noticed now, um, there's less drinking than there was when I was in high school. So we're doing lot. the drinking, Becca. Huh? <laughs> That's because we're doing the drinking. That, yeah, it, not well, the 
think about that but then you're exactly right so we our team you know, when we were in high school that's what people did and then we've carried that on but they have not so but so but it's just not typical so anytime i hear of a teen binge drinking mm. it's not just about binge drinking right so right. you don't i mean when someone says oh that's just typical teen behavior it's like it's not like that's just an outward right. behavior to, they're screaming loudly without right. saying words so you know if they're increasing use of substances they're binge drinking like those are signals that something's going on because a typical teen does not want yeah. they don't grow up thinking yeah i want to be drunk i don't want to be drunk all the time yeah. they don't and so that's a very loud statement and then you think about what and we already know the developing brain is different right alcohol acts differently on a teen brain than an adult it's so it's more dramatic mm-hmm. on a teen anyway mm-hmm. so if you're feeling depressed if you're feeling anxious alcohol might let you forget for a while yeah and it will come back but you know why are they using and i think those are the questions instead of saying why are you you know the finger wagging like really dig deep like what what's going on here and i um, think that's part of the challenges it's difficult you know one of the conversations i was having earlier today was like, it's difficult to not, it's already difficult to have the hard conversation, right? right? It's also difficult to have the hard conversation when you are battling. Like if you are you are having a tough time in the pandemic or you are battling depression or things are off with you or you're drinking a lot, yeah. um, you know, it's hard to then go to your teen and be like, all right, let's sit down and figure out what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, like I said, the, the conversation's hard already. But then if you're battling also, it's like, I, how am I supposed to help you? I'm, you know, I'm struggling too, you know? And so everybody just kind of goes in their room and acts like nothing's happening. And then when something happens, you know, then it's the shoulda, coulda, wouldas that, you know, that haunt you, um, mm-hmm. you know, that haunt you. And I know in my own personal, like my own personal situation, like, so one of, I have three children, one of my children um, has battled that, has battled depression pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, and is not like he's typically a really happy kid he's not a kid he's 24 but he's he's, <laughs> he's always gonna be my baby yeah, but they'll always be your kid <laughs> he's always my kid um but like and everybody loves him everybody like he's 24 but everybody has always loved him mm-hmm. um and the triggers for his like depressive episodes can be anything a couple weeks ago his car wouldn't start and and it took like a spiral. And the day before he was fine. We were talking about all sorts of stuff. And the car not starting ended up being the battery. So it wasn't like the the car didn't start, <laughs> excuse me, and the engine fell out. Like it literally was just the battery. But right. in that moment, it it could not, it just it was a trigger that it, he couldn't step back from it. You know, and it's difficult being on the other side. I mean, it's obviously difficult being on his side too, but it's difficult being on the other side, trying to, you know, encourage someone to kind of fight through that. Um, Cause you don't really know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you say all the typical things, right. But you don't really know what to say. So then I guess that would bring me to like, my next question for you would be, if you are on the other side of that, whether you're a parent or an aunt or a friend, um, how would you go about approaching so you you see you think you you think something is wrong. There's been a shift either in behavior mm-hmm. or substance abuse, um, and you want to talk to them, right? Yeah. Um, but you aren't sure how because teenagers don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, what do you say short of texting them? Are you depressed, right? And having them be like, no. Like, how do you? Yeah break that barrier or you know start that conversation in a way that is going to be helpful for both parties so that you don't just be like never mind whatever (laughs) that's an awesome question one the suicide prevention intervention trainings that i um do that that's one thing we talk about and there will be a great area and i tell my people you will feel like you're walking through the mud and that's okay it's just where we are right um but one of the i think the big statements is just the i have noticed statement is to making sure that everything you're saying are things that you have witnessed and not making a preconceived judgment so instead of saying 
are you depressed? You might say, I've noticed that you have been sleeping a lot more than usual and I am concerned. Um, and then, so those are things that you can witness, you can see, and then it's hard for them to deny mm. that that's the case. Um, because as soon as you say, so, oh, you look sad. No, no, I don't. Like, right. because it, that's more of uh, your own personal judgment or projection, even though that's kind of our natural go-to and we're not coming out of a place of, not coming at it in a place of like hostility or anything, right. but um, right. saying well, those. You walk into work and somebody says, you look tired. And you're like, well, I, I thought today was a good yeah. day. Like, I yeah. Do I look tired? And now all of a sudden I'm in the mirror, like, do I look tired? Like, do I need some makeup? <laughs> like, yeah. But I also can appreciate that I have noticed statement because not only are there tangible things that I've seen, but it also says to you that I'm paying attention. Exactly. I am paying attention to you. Um, and you are, something's different, you know, as opposed yeah. to like, you didn't clean up, you look sad and you didn't clean up, clean out the dishwasher. Like, yeah. you know, I would think, I would imagine it also says like, I'm paying attention, which is, which is huge. Cause I think, yeah. you know, everybody wants to be seen, even if they don't know that they want to be seen, everybody wants to be seen, you know? Yeah. Um, Oh, let's see. Okay. So that's suicide prevention. So what I would say one other thing to jump okay. in before is that don't be afraid of silence too. When you ask one of those questions, there will be silence mm -hmm. and um, that's okay. And usually what we try to fill stuff, when we try to fill silence, it's usually not good. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, when kids come in my office, of course, I see now kids virtually, I'm like, I can wait them out. Right. So I... <laughs> Exactly. I'm going to sit here for the whole hour. Yeah, we can sit right here. So I, now I have started taking, taking my school is in, has, I go teach, I work at a charter. So mm -hmm. been in half capacity. So I take laps around the gym and that's a great way to talk to somebody, yeah. a young person. So I say, let's just go to the gym and we walk around. So that it's great because we're not looking at each other. Right. Don't, and I tell parents and any adult teachers, don't get hung up on eye contact. I mean, who really cares if you're, I mean, so just walk, you know, walking side by side, it's less intimidating for them yeah. because they don't have to look you in the eye. If there is silence, it's okay. Cause we're walking. So, you know, and we will walk. Um, some of the best conversations you probably had have been in the car. Yeah. Have been sitting on the couch watching TV because you and so don't get hung up on you have to look me in the eye like you know if I mean a kid doesn't have to look you in the eye for them to know you're listening so like those kinds of things are good and other um, tips I'll give parents uh, don't try not to pepper with questions just the first question I've noticed blah 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 that's enough and then if they're not ready to talk say it's okay that you want to talk right now but no I am here anytime and with teachers, I've given like the, we'll po I love post notes. So I'll tell a teacher, no! I'll say, give me a blank post it note and say, when you're ready to talk, just put this on my laptop or put it somewhere I can see it. And that'll be my mm -hmm. signal you're ready to talk. It could be next day, it could be two weeks from now. That's cool. Um, so now, do you, do you, it, in that situation, let's say it's the two weeks, do you go back to them and say, yeah, you, you know, I know I said you could take your time, but I, I mean, I didn't really mean, like, I thought you were going to come and talk to me. I didn't really mean take your absolute time. Well, you can still check in in between. Okay. So you still got my post-it note. Ah, okay. I, you know, it doesn't have to be anything. Like yeah. more direct than that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Still got my that's, a good, note. that's a good thing. Yeah. And I've, I, with a parents, um, sometimes communicating in a journal can be more helpful um where you know you just write it down and pass it between the parent and the kid that can be really helpful so you don't have it doesn't have to be the traditional family talk where we sit down right so get creative know your kid um you know they do better you know i know with mine walking works for her like let's go for a walk and then yeah. she'll you know so you just you just have to know yeah. your kid. And one of the things that I've, so my youngest daughter is 15. So one of the things that I have learned to do with her is to just be available. 
Mm-hmm. Like she, there are days when she's in her room and she's on Snapchat and on yep. Instagram and on TikTok. <laughs> and the only reason I even know she's alive is because she laughs and she comes out to pee. Like that's yeah. it, right? <laughs> and there are other days where like today, she just comes and plops on the end of my bed and she's like, Ma, guess what? And then there's like this, excuse me, one long run on sentence. And it might not even have anything to do with her, but I have learned for her, she just needs me to be available, not at any particular time. Um, mm-hmm. And I've also had to, you know, work on getting out of my own way, meaning if she doesn't want to talk to me when I want to talk to her, learning not to take it personal. You know, yeah. and just be like, okay, fine. Like, you, you don't want to talk at nine o'clock on Monday night. That's fine. About nothing, right? But I, she's 15. She doesn't want to talk when she wants to. She wants to talk when yeah. she wants to talk. Yeah, and exactly. so I had to learn how to, like, not take that personally. Um, and just kind of be available for whenever that, you know, whenever, whenever that time, whenever that time comes, because it's coming. Yeah. Um, and then just listen to her, you know, and yeah. listen to some of the things she's saying, but but also the things that she's not really articulating very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just pay attention. And it's it's a, a little easier right now for me to do because we're home all day. Like I'm working, yeah. I'm working she's in her room working mm-hmm. um, and I can just bounce down the hall and, you know, and pop in and check on her. I know that other parents don't have that same, they don't have that same relationship and they mm-hmm. don't really have that same ability. Um. So, you know, I, I know that that is a, you know, a concern for some people. Um, outside, like kind of stepping outside of suicide and substance abuse to just kind of like regular depression. Um, mm-hmm. How do you, I know, you know, you work with like the young, younger kids mm-hmm. who I love, right? Um, but how, what are some, and I guess maybe the signs might be the same, but like in younger kids that are, um, you know, in virtual school right now, some of them struggling. You know, mm-hmm. just because they miss their friends. It sounds like such a an elementary thing, right? You you don't miss your friends, you're fine. But that is, I'm 42 and I miss my friends. Mm-hmm. I miss I miss my friends right now. Right. So you think about a six, seven, or eight year old, like they miss their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you notice, or what things would you suggest to look for in younger kids? You know, that might need some attention in terms of you know, maybe they are, you know, experiencing some anxiety or depression. Um, I, before I, before I, um, before you answer, I remember being younger and like the old, like older people, like my grandmother, my grandmother, mm-hmm. I remember they used to be like, you can't be depressed or you can't be tired. Like you're six. And I, yeah. you know, and now that I'm older, I'm like, I, I really was tired. Like I, I yeah. didn't sleep well. I mean, yes, I was six, but I was still tired, you know? And so I think as you get older and like, as, as times change, you have a different perception of the fact that even though kids are little, like they still experience those, those same emotions, you know, Mm -hmm. their stomach hurts. It's potentially anxiety, you know, it's not them trying to not go to school. Like there may be something there. And so, you know, I would ask like, what types of things could parents or just teach whoever listens to this look for in their kid that might be younger and not as, um, definitive of a sign as like a teenager who's sleeping all day yeah well and that's a great question um uh, with especially with depression um it manifests itself differently Mm -hmm. with children and even teens than it would with adults i think with adults you know we've got that kind of stereotypical what depression looks like the fatigue not being able to get out of bed those kinds of things um with kids they don't always have the words to explain how they feel. Mm-hmm. And you see depression a lot more manifest in aggression. And so that is something I've seen lately that more so than normal, like just the anger and the aggressive tendency. And they don't necessarily want to be angry and aggressive, but that's the way that that's the only way they know how to express themselves. Right, right, so, right. When you're looking at younger ones, um, elementary, middle, and I even think even in the high school, um, you know, if your child seems more aggressive or angry than mm-hmm. typ- you know, that's typical for them, that's something to look into. Um, and something, and and then I'll see the 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 circle happen. They're up. They didn't mean to get angry, and then they get mad at themselves because they're angry, and then you know you then they get they. 
you know, they're sweet kids and they don't, they didn't want to snap at their mom. They didn't want to snap at their sister. And now they're mad at themselves for snapping and they get caught in these really bad negative thought loops. But I think maybe adults just remember what it was like as kids, but we <laughs> play as part of how we learn to um, be social. We learn how to handle conflict. We learn how to friends with one another through play. I mean, and you can get some of that through gaming, but we can't always get that interaction that we need to learn. And so, um, you know, that is a really critical piece that is important um, that, you know, a lot of kids at the, at the moment are missing and they, you know, they're, they're missing that play interaction that they have with their kids. I think we have underestimated how I was telling somebody earlier today. I'm like, I think all parents have a different appreciation now for like school, the building and the teachers and administrators that are in the school, because it's so much more like we as a parent, I'm like, all right, school starts at seven 30. I need to make sure you're up dressed and out the door. Right. Yeah. You got a lunch or you eat at school, whatever the case may be. And I got, I get you at three 30 or whatever time school ends. And even the most involved parents get to be disconnected a bit while their kid is at school. Yeah, right? So true. like Lana is a 10th grader. So we're past the days of me checking in with her teachers every week. Mm-hmm. She's also a really good student. She's, she's the baby. And I yeah. think that she like observed everybody and was like, <laughs> all right, so don't do that. Don't do that. Study really hard. Go to class. You know, so she gets it. She's straight A student. She's a star athlete. Like she, I tell her, I'm like, I'm glad that you get it because I'm tapped out. I don't have any more parenting in me. But we are (laughs) past the point of, you know, me, me, you know, dialing her teachers every week or getting progress reports. Mm -hmm. Luckily for me, she brings, she talks to me a lot. She's, she is big on her academics. So typically if she has not scored well on an assignment, I will know it before power school ever tells me. She'll be like, ma, let me tell you this, call the teacher. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not no, what happened? Um, but, you know, I, I think even now I have a greater appreciation for the things that her being able to be in school provided for her outside of academia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I always had an appreciation for her teachers. But again, like I'm connected to her, I'm connected to her academics, but I don't, I don't spend a ton of time thinking about before the pandemic. I didn't spend a ton of time thinking about what she was doing between 7.30 and 2.30. I just made sure she got to school. Yeah. I made mm-hmm. sure she got home. And I think now that we have all been kind of forced into a situation where we have to know, you have to be present. You have to know yeah. what's happening. Like, cause you're part of it now. Like you are yeah. the teacher that was there from 7.30 to 2.30. Yeah. Um, you are the, ca- the, the cafeteria lady. Like yeah. you are the lady in the bus line. I mean, you yeah. are just, you are everybody. You are every teacher, every woman, every administrator. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think it's, it's, it is a challenge for both, you know, parents who are trying to do that and work mm-hmm. and children who now now my mom really is my only friend. Like she really is the only person I get to see all week. Yeah. You know, and I've got to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner with her. She's the only person I can laugh with. She's the only person I can go to recess with. Like I loved her before and now I hate her, you know, and not because I hate her. I'm tired of looking at her. Yeah. Um, You know, so just trying to provide some support. Um, Are there resources that, um, you would recommend for people that might be having trouble or struggling, um, either with their children, you know, um, their children's mental health or just, you know, needing some outside resources to provide, you know, an olive branch. Yeah, I think, and you mentioned this earlier about uh, briefly about how parents managing their own stress is really paying attention to those kind of signals that you're giving off. Um, like, I got the you know example like oh it's just a long day I'm gonna drink a beer, versus oh it's a long day I'm gonna go to take a walk. You know those those things that you know we might just say flippantly, kids hear, and um you know doing some you know how how are you managing your own stress and how do your kids see you managing your own stress? So like I'm happy that my kid sees me going for a walk when I get stressed or my, my husband goes to the gym. He's like, I got to go to the gym. And I'm, I'm happy that she sees that because that's, 
she's seeing that, you know, that's one way we can do it. And if, so families being able to like turn off the computer and do some family ways to relieve stress and you don't have to even talk about it. Like you could go throw a football in the yard. Um, you know, some, so some of those kinds of things can be really helpful to think about what do you, what did you enjoy <laughs> pre-pandemic as a family? Right. Like right. you might, sure, you might not be able to go, go out to eat a restaurant, but what are some things that you enjoyed doing? Was it playing a board game? Was it throwing a football? Maybe you did play Xbox together, but like shutting off the laptops. Cause yeah. I know for me, like working at home is not easy because it's, there's no demarcation where your day ends. So your day blends into your afternoon, blends into your evening. And so I think one thing is just for parents to really assess for themselves, like, how am I managing stress? Am I giving myself a break that I'm shutting off work and maybe being able to do some of those stress practices? That is super helpful. Together would be great. Yeah. That is super helpful. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, so earlier today I was, um, I was talking, I was talking to somebody else and I was telling them that, you know, one of the things that I've always said is if you are somebody that doesn't think you need therapy, you probably need it more than the people that say they need therapy. Um, Because there are things that you see and experience like growing up just that you don't even, that, that may become triggers for you. Like you may not even know why you go for a walk instead of having a glass of wine. But it may be because maybe your mom went for a walk or maybe your dad mm-hmm. went for a walk, right? Alternatively, maybe, yep. maybe your dad or mom drank until they passed out, right? And so maybe they weren't abusive. Maybe you don't even regard that as alcoholism. You just were like, oh, at the end of their long day, they worked a really stressful job. And it, it, at the end of their day, they drank until they went to sleep. Um, and those things I feel like, you know, are, are quiet triggers that we don't even know exist all the time, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm like, go to therapy, <laughs> go talk to somebody about your childhood that even that you think was perfect. And I'm not saying that, that, that makes it imperfect, but there are things that you are carrying with you that you are also then passing on that you don't even know how they got to be with you. And so I, I'm glad that you pointed out, you know, um, displaying how you are managing stress. Because again, like we, the world has shut down on all of us. So it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, it's shut down on my 15 year old, but it's, it's still wide open for me. Like it's shut down for her. It's shut down for me. Um, and while I think we, you know, we have very different coping mechanisms, being conscious and mindful of what you are doing, what you are showing them by your own behavior, you know, really outweighs what you may say to them. Yeah. You know, and having a glass of wine like isn't a isn't a bad thing. I, I advocate for the glasses of wine, <laughs> but you know maybe you don't want to come home. Maybe you, maybe they don't need to see you having several glasses of wine every night during the week or every night. Period. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they don't need to see you drinking bottles and bottles and bottles until your words are slurring. You know because they may not say anything and they may not even. The other thing is they may not even know that that is something their subconscious is picking up and tagging into their memory. Like the cat was like, hey, I'm finally here. Um, they may not even know that that's something that their subconscious is tagging for them to like to pick up one as a behavior later. And then it shows up later. You don't know where it came from. Yeah. So I absolutely, absolutely appreciate and it's that. All, you mentioned why it's also a good time to talk about moderation. Like, and there's in, in not demonizing stigmatizing like and you know especially with a 15 year old it's you know let's talk about moderation and what that means um and so you know there all that is open i think for yeah for conversation and i also bring those kinds of things up too because um money is also a factor when it comes to going to therapy um it it is actually one reason somebody asked you why you why you because i could have my own private practice or work for one, but I choose to be in a school. Right. And part of that is because I can do what I do for kids for free. Like I can intervene for them, you know, find resources and I I don't have to charge people. Um, And so I think, right. So things like that are things people can do who, you know, may not have access, um, you know, and also there's there's a really great resource I mention it all the time. It's called Big Life Journal. Okay. Um, 
they have some like they work um, handouts and worksheets on stress management, mindfulness, all sorts of stuff. And you can sign up and you get them free every Friday in your inbox. And it's called Big Life Journal. Yeah. Okay. You I'll can also in the I'll tag it in the in the yeah. when I post it. It's awesome. And you can also you can buy journals there too, like journal workbooks um, mm -hmm. on their website as well. Um, and they're, right now they're doing a workshop next week on um, how to teach your children positive self-talk. So it's really good. It's, it's very accessible to people. So I think those are really good resources. Um, you know, if somebody, you know, is in a position where like, I can't pay for therapy every week. Right. Um, you know, realizing that there is an issue is, is a good thing. And then, but trying to, you know, trying to help people find some other resources that might not be and then Alliance for this area, Alliance Health is our NCO. So if people mm -hmm. either are uninsured or um, have Medicaid, they can call them. But I mean, that's another, unfortunately, an issue too, um, you know, with, with some barriers to for getting, getting help if, if you wanted to. So I didn't have any paper. So I'm writing this down in my notes so I can. Yeah, big <laughs> life journal. <laughs> is it, but they're, they're really, I use them all the time. I thought their Instagram's fun too. If you want to okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but they, uh, yeah, that's a really good, good one to do. Um, and, you know, finding, I know you said your daughter played sports. So I think, you know, those kinds of things, the kids that also, um, I know for, for mine, the ones who can still maintain some level of their sports are mm -hmm. doing pretty well because they have, they were active. They've maintained that level of activity. I think that has made a big difference for my students. Um, so, you know, if your kid has always been active, I mean, it's making sure that they can keep the, that level of doing something activity is really great. Um, so, and, and thankfully a lot of places, um, have been able to maintain some of that. Uh, some kids, at least they're, they're doing dance virtually, but at least they're doing dance. At least they're doing dance. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, some of those things can really um, make a big difference. My cat is really trying to get up, isn't he? <laughs> well, Becky, you have been, I mean, I I so appreciate not only your time, You're but welcome. <laughs> to like chat with me. I told one of my girlfriends the other day, I'm like, you're about to become my resident social worker. Like, because I, so part of me, when I first decided that I wanted to do the series, um, I was like, oh, it'll just be one conversation. It'll be fine. It'll be one episode and I'll just go on my merry way. And people kind of started coming out of the woodworks. And I was like, okay, so this is clearly going to have to be a series. And then I wanted to wait. And I thought I wanted to wait until Mental Health Awareness Month. And then I realized it is not till May. And I'm like, we can't wait that long. Like people are struggling today in February. And so we can't wait till May to start getting people some resources and some things to look for and some coping mechanisms. Like it won't, it won't wait that long. So I appreciate you jumping on, you know, jumping on. You're the welcome. <laughs> little notice and the cat. Um, we will be in touch about other things, but I just, I appreciate you so much. You're welcome. And I'll, I'll give you one more resource that you can mm -hmm. put in there too. Um, it's Hopeline NC. And I, Say it again. Hopeline NC. Hope okay. Yep. Uh, and I will give you the number. So it is a North Carolina. It's our um, crisis intervention call line. Okay. Um, so the number uh, you can call or text. Mm -hmm. um, the local exchange is 919-231. 4525. Okay. Did you get that? Or? Yes. Okay. I so, um, so I will, you know, we're talking about suicide intervention and um, just important if someone ever um, says they're thinking of killing themselves or thinking of suicide. I mean, that's, that's not a wait on kind of thing. So, um, you know, hope, hope line is a place that you can call, we connect your resources. Um, and they can, um, you know, intervene if that if needed. Um, they also take domestic violence. They'll things like those calls will come in. They'll have called, you know, just general loneliness calls. Um, you know, so that you can. It. I've done some volunteer. I do volunteer work with them, so they. Um, you know, that's a great place to call. But anytime somebody, if someone's saying, "I'm going to kill myself," I'm thinking of suicide. I mean always take that seriously right. like you were saying before like don't dismiss that because you do not know um and right. so always take it seriously um 
And if you have to call 911, you call 911. So, um, but that's a good number. If you have somebody who is like, you know, they're feeling depressed and you're just really, you know, you have got that queasy feeling in your stomach, give them that number and say, you know, if you ever are, are feeling so down, you call this number, right. keep it, keep it in your phone. Um, that's a good resource. So, so what I will say, um, is that, you know, one of the challenges being a person of color is that, and one of the challenges I even had with my own son is that, you know, when they are in crisis, you know, wanting to get to them as soon as possible, you know, years ago, I would just call 911, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, now there is the added concern that, you know, and so let me, my, my disclaimer is that I'm not, I'm not a believer that all cops are bad or that all cops like shoot black people. That is not, yeah. that is not where I'm, that is not the, the, the angle I'm taking, but I would be lying if I did not say that that is a, is an, an additional concerning factor when thinking about mental health crisis for the, you know, African-American population, sure. even just yeah. people of color, like, you know, okay, well, my kid or my husband or my friend is having is in crisis and they aren't, you know, they are, aren't, they aren't talking about hurting anybody but themselves. But now in addition to trying to figure out how to support them, it's like, do I call the police and have them potentially send somebody that has no knowledge of mental, right. health, you know, how to be in mental health crisis? You know, do I hope, do I give them this number and hope that they will call somebody, you know? And so it's, it, it is, it adds a very unfortunate layer to, you know, mm-hmm. crisis intervention in the moment, you know, obviously prevention and then, you know, working through it after the, the, the immediate crisis has passed makes it a little bit easier, but right. trying to navigate while you're in the middle of crisis is, you know, is extremely emotionally both difficult and delicate. Um, so these resources are super helpful, even just to give, you know, to be able to give somebody, I think the ability to, for them to text you know, somebody is huge because maybe yeah. I don't want to talk to you. Like maybe I don't want to say out loud that I want to commit suicide. Yeah. Maybe I would, you know, be willing to text you through how I'm feeling. Yeah. So, you know, that is, that is huge. I'm going to put that, I'm going to put all those resources, list all those resources in the post. So people don't have to like try to listen to this and pause it and write it all at the same yeah. time. It'll be connected to the, um, to the episode. So. Yeah. And if they call Hopeline, they don't ask for someone's ethnicity or race right. unless they just unless the caller just says it. Right. So um, that's one nice thing is that it is anonymous. And I, I hear what you're saying. It is it's scary when you, and um, if in this area, um, they are, the police are more trained in a mental health than in, in maybe some yeah. of the other areas, more rural areas. But if you do, if someone does have to call the police, it's important to ask for a mobile crisis unit. Not, can you um, go through 911? Yes. Can you request you that one? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. so I did not know that. Being clear about the call, you know, what's going on. And and when someone's in the heat of the moment, they're not always, you know, you're not <laughs> you're not necessarily thinking, you know, in your clearest mind when you're calling because you're nervous and you're panicked. But that's important to do, just you know, being clear about that. In this area, you can also call Alliance Health um, and they can send out um a so crisis. I'm tell you that is that that one piece of information might save someone's life. So had I, so I will, you know, a little bit of disclosure. So about two weeks ago, um, my son was mid crisis um, and he lives in Charlotte. So he was about two hours away. And at the moment when I, when I spoke to him, I knew right then I was driving to Charlotte. It's 1030 at night. I'm like, I'm I'm leaving. Um, I cried for probably the first hour because I, part of me wanted to call the police. to just do a well check. And I wasn't, I was not dismissive, but I was also not incredibly concerned that I would get there and he had, would have taken his own life. Right. But I was concerned enough to not want him there alone. Mm -hmm. Right. But I really, I I could not just, I could not land on whether or not I felt comfortable enough sending an officer into my, my son's home. Um, and so had I known at that time, had I known then that I could have called 911 and requested the mobile crisis unit, you know, I may have felt differently, but, but the, the anxiety that I had about, you know, okay, 
if I can just keep him talking to me for the next two hours, I'll check on him myself as opposed to calling 911 and this potentially going another way. Um, so just having that tidbit of information is like amazing because I, yeah. I, I had no idea. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, there's a movement now, which is awesome, to um, send out social workers or counselors on these calls. Right. And like, and I, I saw some stupid meme. <laughs> Something like, why do you think that, a, you know, a social worker can de-escalate a 300-pound man and a police? I'm like, because that's what we're trained. Because <laughs> that's, that's what we that's went to what I was, I was, I, My degree's in professional counseling, and that's what I was trained to do. I mean, right. we were trained to de-escalate situations. So like, yeah, I'm... <laughs> so yeah, you should probably send me. Yeah, I mean, and I'm probably not know, so, with a gun. So there's that. <laughs> no, no. And so that's like, it, it's, it is about training. And so I think it's awesome. We, have, we do have some, I know some great police officers who re do really care about these issues and who do sure. train other officers on, um, you know, mental health, um, you know, how to respond properly to mental health. And we know those, those men and women, we do need to support you know, support and say, you know, listen to these, <laughs> listen to these, your, you know, um, your, your um, co-workers, companions, whatever you call them, but to um, be able to um, be able to bridge that gap because yeah. it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's scary and being able to provide the right resources for the right people at the right times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, we're working on it. That's what True. we are. That's yeah. what we're building here, Becca. We're working That's on we're bridging that gap, getting people some information. That's so I just want, I mean, I thanked you already, but I just- You're welcome. Enough. Um, please continue doing the good work that you're doing. If there's anything I can ever do to support you, please, please, please. Well, thank you. Me. You're very sweet. It's going to be great. Well, well all right, guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode. I can't wait to hear your feedback. But until then, be nice, be authentic, because, yeah, I'm listening. <laughs>